contraception to me, I feel like is such a blanket disservice Mm -hmm. to women because we're not even teaching them about how their body works. Like that's not even, that doesn't even have to be a moral thing, Uh you know, it's just like a knowledge thing. And so it's kind of appalling that we're here in 2023 and most people don't even know that they have like four different distinct things that should be happening and everything in the menstrual cycle is necessary Mm -hmm. for health. And it, it's the only system that when it's functioning well, we don't want it to function well. Mm -hmm. We want to treat it when it's, we actually need it. It helps with bone maintainment, thyroid, all other hormones. There's now a new study out. Women that took birth control in their teens are now showing greater signs of depression in mm. adulthood. So that's just, it's a ripple Isn't effect. Cancer, all like cancer, cancer, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a ripple effect to where it's as simple as just education. Welcome to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And over the last couple of weeks, we've asked you guys to send in reviews and you guys have done it. Uh, And we're really grateful for that. Uh, I was joking with Bishop when I received this review, I sent it over to him. And basically, if we could uh, summarize what we wanted to accomplish in this podcast, this person, I I don't know if he's bugging our our, our studio and listening in or what, (laughs) but he actually hit it verbatim what we wanted to say. So Joe... Uh, his username is Joe Joe Squatch, like Sasquatch, but Joe Squatch. I don't know what your last name is, Joe, but you're the man. Uh, he gave us five stars, <laughs> and here, here's what he said. He says, "Love the variety of speakers on here for Eastern Oklahoma Catholic podcast." He says, "Love the variety of speakers on here. Being able to go back and listen to speakers from a conference attended or one I missed is a blessing. I most enjoyed hearing from our bishop, though." And I only get to hear him speak at our parish or an event that I'm occasionally attending. So this podcast helps me to co- uh, stay connected with my local diocese and community. Thank you very much, Bishop. Yeah, I, so we owe him a lot of money. So he's <laughs> he's speaking of the wider Eastern Oklahoma Catholic podcasts because he's talking about um, talks that he's been to that he can review. Right. So or not just this. Tulsa time, but even beyond that. Even beyond that. So, yeah, so he says he loves those, but then specifically loves being able to listen to Bishop here on the podcast. Yeah, and I enjoy being able to to, uh, engage. I'm I'm not really engaging with the people, but through their comments, through questions, through uh, things that we're trying to do uh, for the diocese and in the diocese, uh, this gives me a way to be able to talk to people. You know, if I go to visit a parish, I get to see people, hello, how are you? I go to the hall, we have a dinner, I sit and visit with different people. They hear me in the homily, but that's about it. So this is a more um, verbose way of uh, you know yeah. being able to sit with people. Um this past weekend, I was with our Burmese families, many of our Burmese families. They're uh, at St. Catherine Parish primarily. St. Catherine? Or St. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, over in West Tulsa. In West Tulsa. Uh-huh. But um, 
The Burmese Catholics that we have in this diocese are Zomi-speaking Burmese. They come from one of a number of language groups. Uh, this group speaks Zomi. So the, the Zomi-speaking Catholics in the United States, of which there are numerous groups, ours is one of about, I don't know, a dozen or so, uh, in the summer each year, they get together somewhere for a Eucharistic Congress, a set of workshops, a weekend of visiting with one another, catechesis, workshops, mass. Uh, this year, we were able to have one of the Burmese bishops with us, Bishop Lucius. Uh, we had probably about six or so Burmese priests, about 700 of the faithful. Oh, awesome. And they were... Uh, many families, these are primarily young families, uh, several children in the families. So it's an active group. Sure. And one of the things that I said to them at the final Mass at the beautiful cathedral in Nashville, this year we were in Nashville, was a quotation from uh, Pope John Paul II in which he said at one point that the future of the church and, of, and therefore of the world, passes through the family. And what prompted me to say that to them was that wonderful tableau of this cathedral with 700 uh, people in the pews, many of them children. And so seeing these beautiful young families who have come to these shores, you know, the country that they come from is under martial law, civil war, and they're coming to these shores and working hard and maintaining their faith and their culture and, and uh, seeking success. And so I was just touched by the, the fact that they're going to grow and grow and grow. You know, when you see uh, families, you're seeing the future. When you see these children, mm -hmm. I tell that story about my parents, uh, the two wedding photos, the, the photo on the day of their wedding when it's just the two of them. And they still look rested and optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the photo <laughs> from their 50th wedding anniversary when they're surrounded by 49 other people. Yeah. Their 11 in-laws, the children from the various marriages, and literally this community comes from this, mm -hmm. from that union. And so that's why today we're we're happy to have Audrey with us, Audrey Stubblefield, who is our Director of Family Life Ministries. Is that how we Coordinator of Marriage and Family Life. Coordinator yeah. of Marriage and Family Life. Yes. And that's such an important part of what we do as parishes, as a diocese. It was a huge part of our last pastoral plan was uh, marriage and family life. And it's becoming another, you know, a big part of this coming pastoral plan. Particularly the concern for, and we did a whole series of episodes yeah. on uh, the what we were looking at, remote marriage preparation, yep. which begins at birth, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> birth to engagement, and then the more proximate marriage preparation. And so we tend to we tend to lose sight of the fact that the remote marriage preparation is the building of the faith in a person 
such that when they're beginning to date, they're already doing that differently because they have a different set of goals in mind and a different knowledge base about what what why would I date anyone? What's the whole point of dating? It's not just to have fun and go on dates till I'm 40 or right. something. It has a purpose, and the purpose is to find a spouse because I think that God is calling me to marriage, and marriage is a specific vocation, not just a default that I do because I'm not going to be a priest or a nun. And if I believe all of those things, then I'm going to enter it differently. So then it's incumbent on the church to help couples with the resources. Yep. Uh, in the diocese here, we do the engaged encounter retreat, and we, you know, in the parishes, offer different kinds of marriage preparation helps and aids programs. We used the focus premarital inventory a lot when I was in campus ministry. Uh, the dicastery for family life in Rome has been promoting in the last year or so what is called the catechumenate, the the uh, marriage catechumenate. So if the catechumenate is a word that people may not always be familiar with. So catechumens are people who are not baptized yet, but who are seeking baptism in the church, typically adults, and associated with what was called the RCIA program, now called the OCIA program, the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults. So most parishes will know that. They'll have heard about the RCIA and so forth. Um, the, the idea of the catechumenate is that someone who's not a Christian at all, not baptized at all, needs a community of people to walk with, to grow in the faith with, to learn with, so that they achieve different levels of knowledge and conviction and spiritual maturity and growth on the way to being ready for baptism. You can't just take someone off the street who doesn't know anything about the faith and baptize them because we don't believe in magic, we believe in the grace of the sacraments, but the grace of the sacraments require in us a certain response, and if you don't know what it is, you, it's hard for you to make the response. So the dicastery is recognizing that similarly for marriage, we can't simply take people off the street and marry them and expect that they're just going to do fine. Often they do. The majority do. But it's hard, mm. and it doesn't need to be as hard as it is. I was speaking to the group the other day in our pastoral planning. Uh, we consider in the church marriage and um, religious vocations to be parallel tracks in a sense. Marriage is a sacrament. Holy orders is a sacrament. Imagine if we were taking seminarians, accepting them, and then ordaining them six or eight months later. Mm -hmm the kind of fit we would be in. <laughs> chaos. Yeah. The kind of chaos that would ensue. Because we recognize that for a man to be able to fulfill the obligations of the priesthood requires not merely book knowledge, there's a fair amount of that, but conversion. Mm -hmm. And 
growth and spiritual maturity and so forth. But nonetheless, a couple comes into the parish office, they have a date in mind, six to eight months to a year later, let's get that date on the calendar, we have about three or four touch points for them in terms of formation, and then we expect them to uh, fulfill the duties and obligations of marriage. And flourish. And flourish. And is that really fair? Should we do more? Who immediately will object? <laughs> right. The couples. Right. Yep. But there's that lack of awareness. There's an assumption that marriage is somehow, what, lesser, easier? Uh, we already know how to do it. Something. But is it really? I mean, <laughs> no. Nope. Is it really? So, so all of that is a little um, long-winded, wordy, verbose <laughs> segue into <laughs> introducing Audrey and the work that she does here at the diocese and yeah, in and, the parish too. And we had, uh, you know, the last two weeks we had uh, Sister Maria Marie Josepha yep. uh, here uh, discussing a, a whole host of different things and who's a religious sister of mercy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get an opportunity to work with you uh, here at the Chancery, Audrey, and, and right down just the hall. But maybe for those who, who have not had a chance uh, to, to be introduced to you, like, who are you and what's your connection? Is there a connection with, with the Religious Sisters of Mercy? Yeah, there is. Um, so my name again is Audrey Stubblefield. Um, I am from Colorado, mm. and I had discerned in college with the RSMs. Oh, okay. In Denver. I don't and, think I even knew that. Yeah, it's a neat. I'm going to do the brief version because it's pretty long. But um, I discerned with them, and I went to nursing school um, at the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. And when I was finishing up, um, this was in 2010, and so the market had really plummeted. There were no new grad nursing jobs, especially in a place like Denver where people want to move. And so I... Um, talked with them because they're doctors, nurses, canon lawyers, very educated. And they were like, oh, have you ever heard of this hospital in Tulsa? You know, it looks like they're hiring. And I was like, well, great. Looks like I'm moving. Um, so ended up working in the NICU there at um, St. Francis at the Children's Hospital here locally mm -hmm. for about 10 years. Met my husband here. Um, he's a convert. I'm a cradle Catholic. And um, your husband, you mean your oh, yeah, Corey Cody, yeah, <laughs> the very first, uh, yeah, you can tell the story, that's fine. I'll let you, so, I'll let you own it. Uh, yeah, Bishop, one of the things that I, I, uh, it was a very humbling moment for me coming into working for the diocese. You know, I'm now in charge of the EOC. I've met proofreading, yeah, yeah. and I, I had met the Stubblefields years ago, yeah, and, and, and they're good friends of ours, and uh, I just I, we did an article and they had a picture of them was on there and I captioned it, Corey and Audrey Stubblefield. And like, I did it. Like it was, it was me that typed that in mm -hmm. and it went to print and uh, she was just so gracious. Uh, she didn't really mention anything about it. Of course, I kind of died inside a little bit myself being a perfectionist. And I, but anyway, so we, I jokingly call him Corey. like Corey. As but I, he noticed it. Oh, he yeah, noticed he noticed it. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing he remembers from anything <laughs> I've ever written. <laughs> so anyway, yep. sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah. So, so, Cody's a great man. Cody is from Stillwater. Um, he grew up with Father Pratt, oh, Father Michael right. Pratt. They were best buds. Um, and so 
he ended up back here in Tulsa and Father Pratt introduced us, I don't know, 10 years ago. And the rest is kind of history. Mm. Um, we have four kiddos, ages six to one-year-old twins. So my summer is a little bit crazy right now, mm-hmm. um, but going great. Um, but yeah, the RSMs were just a huge influence on me coming to Tulsa. And then um, I knew some of them years ago when I was here and then kind of the group has turned over and um, taking this job, I reintroduced myself and it's a really great, just a really awesome group of Mm -hmm. um, religious sisters of mercy over there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're going to talk about today, NFP, uh, kind of piggybacking off of what we did last week. Uh, We kind of, uh, broached the topic of, of, of the new clinic that's coming in, the Marion Medical Clinic um, from St. Francis. Yep. But I think we were we were putting it in the context of the the wider issue of marriage and marriage formation. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the programs that we'll also be launching in the diocese and other dioceses have, to, to one degree or another, is called... You know, one of the ways to describe it is a, a first five year of ordination formation program. It's it's the idea that we want to surround our newly ordained priests with some ongoing formation, because now that they're in ministry, they're encountering all the things they've been studying about. But when you encounter it in real life, then you you have even a deeper understanding. And similarly, though, something to uh, help newly married couples with. I have said before that an image in my mind for newly married couples is a couple standing at a wharf. We're going to put them on this boat. Their, their wedding is the launching out to sea. But when you go out to sea, you don't know what you're going to encounter out there. And if you're going out all alone, it's worse. Yep. Mm-hmm. But if you're going out with a group and you know that you're going out with a group and you know that there's going to be resources and ways to be helped out there, then that's better. So one of the key uh, goods of marriage is precisely children. It is true that not all couples are, in fact, able to have children and, and thus there's a sadness, particularly for uh, couples who struggle with infertility. And mm-hmm. one of the things that NFP helps us with is precisely that. And we certainly want to pray for and support couples who are uh, struggling through that. I guess the bigger umbrella is what we would refer to as generativity. Uh, a married couple needs to be able to be generative they're typically going to do that in their with their own children and family. Mm-hmm. If they're unable to have children, they can still be generative in various ways. The love that binds them together with God provides a grace and a power, a optimism, a hope, a desire to be able to overflow into other people's lives in various ways. And so then there can be lots of... of um, creative ways to do that. But NFP fits into that larger good of generativity that I think sometimes the culture loses sight of. Anecdotally, I've heard any number of times 
that parents of couples preparing for marriage or newly married would like to instill in them the idea that, look, don't have children right away. You need to take time to get to know each other, whatever, all the different kinds. It's just a kind of a caution towards children, as opposed to the biblical model that children are a blessing. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, um, you know, children far from getting in the way of the couple— help the couple to experience themselves in a new way as the mother of my child or the father of my child. You're my husband, you're my wife, but now I also know you as the other person in my life who loves this human being or two or three that we have created (laughs) as much as I do and who helps me with this person. And that's even a different uh, facet of that married love. Absolutely. I would say becoming a parent more so than even getting married. I mean, that that was huge. That's the beginning of your family. Um, you choose that person and you keep choosing them, but you learn to do it in a lot of other ways once you have children too. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, it's like a whole metamorphosis as a person to welcome children. Mm-hmm. We found my mother's uh, St. Joseph Missal that she used when she was in nursing school, so before meeting dad and getting married. And she had handwritten in the cover of the missal the prayer to St. Gerard, mm. who is the patron of, of mothers wanting children. And it was such an insight into where her mind was even before she was married. Uh, she was thinking about herself as a mother and wanting to raise children while dating dad. How did that go? She asked dad how many children he thought he might like for them to have. And I think he said three or four. And he said, how many would you like to have? And she said 12. And they had 12. Wow. So, so, they, knew. so they compromised and they had 12. <laughs> <laughs> they compromised right down to exactly what she wanted. <laughs> Um, I said at her funeral that he could not he could not complain because he knew going in what her plan was. So he he had the out, the out, but that's he right. didn't take it. So. That's right. But precisely the the point is that what's marriage for? So say that's part of what couples need to think through. Why are we getting married? Because mm-hmm. we love each other. Well, you could love each other and not get married. Uh, What are you getting married for? What's it to do? You could ask the same of a priest. It seems we know the answer to that. Why is he becoming a priest? Because he loves God. Uh, But that doesn't explain what he's becoming a priest to do. What if he became a priest, but he didn't really like to celebrate Mass all that much, or he... He felt like he had reasons that he shouldn't celebrate Mass too much. But we would all think that—I certainly would think that was very weird. Yeah. We would, we would say he doesn't understand what priesthood is about. Yeah. And so the same in terms of marriage, what are you getting married for? To love each other and to raise a family. So it's not extra, it's— It's built in. It's built in, Yeah. Now, NFP, 
you know, we were saying with Sister, we were using that more expansive term of natural procreative technology, mm-hmm. recognizing that natural family planning is a umbrella term and natural procreative technologies umbrella terms describing uh, knowledge and uh, skills and in some cases even surgical interventions and hormonal treatments and so forth that couples can use to both understand and manage their fertility. The church thinks that it is up to the couple to determine how many children they think they can manage and when they think to have the children, recognizing that they are a blessing from God. We live in a contraceptive age. We're, what, 60 years or so now into having reliable uh, contraceptives? Reliable. Yeah, reliable contraceptives. <laughs> and, uh, and so we don't believe that contraceptives are for the good of the marriage, but rather they work against the good of the marriage. And so what else then do you do mm-hmm. if you're not going to simply have a child every time mm-hmm. a child comes? If you don't think you can manage that, I think we talked a little last time about the responsible reasons. Sometimes couples sure. have responsible reasons uh, why they should delay having another child or that kind of thing. So that's what we use the NFP with. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a great description. Um do you mean to just talk about a little bit what NFP is? Yeah. So another yeah. term, um, what was the term you used, Bishop? Natural, Natural Procreative Technologies. Technology. Another one is fertility awareness, um, which is another umbrella. So it's really um, understanding, it's essentially body literacy for reproduct for the reproductive health of a woman, mm-hmm. um, which in this day and age, and especially as I was growing up, you know, that... Um, we were a lot of my age was just put on birth control because you had acne or mm-hmm. you had to take Accutane or our different things. And we never really understood how everything works um, or why. And God has really created it very beautifully, the man and or the male and the female body and how they complement and are just completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, where the man's testosterone is just the same, just mm-hmm. about, unless there's a health issue. The woman in her monthly cycle, if she's having them, which she should, because ovulation is a sign of health, it does a lot. There's four um, there's four main hormones that kind of control everything happening within the four phases of the month, which that sounds like a lot to fit into a month, which it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's identifying through natural biomarkers, um, which I'll get into in a second, Identifying that and being able to identify a fertile and infertile phases. Um, And then what NFP is, is natural family planning. It's if you are going to use it to space children or delay, Mm -hmm. um, it is a essentially a passive approach um, where you're not preventing pregnancy as compared to contraception or sterilization are actively yeah. Um, you know, contracepting. Right. NFP is we're still open to life. We're not doing anything to prevent it. We're just choosing to come together at a time of the month that is most likely infertile. Right. So, which is a big distinction. Which is a big distinction. I think a lot of people get there and absolutely like NFP could be it's a it's pretty much a moral neutral 
from my understanding. Mm-hmm. The theologians in the office can correct me. But no, no. you can use it selfishly. You can use it carelessly, yeah. thoughtfully, prayerfully. But right. how God designed the woman and her cycle is that actually when you are ovulating, that is when you are more likely to want to have a child. Yeah. So it kind of designs it in a way that we will continue on the human race. Yeah, yeah. So it is a sacrifice, but it postures the couple to be very generous mm-hmm. um, with discerning that. And it can be, I mean, one of the benefits is um, daily, if not monthly, weekly, but most of the time daily communication on where are we at, like finances, health, mental health, um, job switches, our other children, you know, their health issues. Um, There are going to be times in a marriage, pretty much any marriage, that there's going to be times you cannot come together. So in a way, it's a practice for that when Mm -hmm. the hard times come or you're put on bed rest for twins or you, you know, someone has a health issue or you work out of town, like, there's um a, life just throws a lot of natural um circumstances mm-hmm. where you're going to have to sacrifice for each other mm-hmm. and i think it it really puts the couples on the same page mm-hmm. and it doesn't put the burden of remembering to take a pill or um or the health issues that can occur with all different sorts of contraception um yeah i've i've always thought that uh a succinct way of describing the difference between contraception and any of the NFP methods is what the couple is not doing. Mm-hmm. And so in in uh, using NFP during the fertile time, if they have discerned that this is not a good time for us to uh, try to conceive a child— they're not coming together. They're not using their sexual faculty um, in view of wanting to cooperate with what God has built into us, into our fertility, and not wanting to block that in any way. We're waiting. Mm-hmm. Whereas with contraception, we are still using that anytime we want just because uh, it's a good of marriage, but we're willing to, to turn off, do something active to turn off the possibility as much as we can uh, in order to be able to still have the sexual uh, relations anytime we want. And so those are different things. You know, they're, they're seeking different ends. They, they posit a different relationship with God. I think I, I heard a, a quote. I think it's G.K. Chesterton. Uh, it sounds witty like G.K. Chesterton. Maybe uh, not, not uh, his quote, but it says... Uh, Birth control neither promotes birth nor control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I would say I know people with any kind of contraception. I know of someone that has become pregnant while using it. Like it is, there are. I mean, unless you have a hysterectomy, essentially, mm-hmm. that's it. But um, there's a whole. I think with NFP. It's a beautiful thing to use if you really need it. And if you don't want to, that's totally fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's other ways that the body naturally um, spaces children, like if yep. you're, you're breastfeeding. Right. But also if you, um, like I learned NFP, I've done all the methods. So that's why I'm like, I'll be a resource because I've done it. Yeah. Um, and 
I learned it when I was single, wasn't dating anybody because I wanted to know. And then I learned through using that, that I have one of those hormones is low. And so I have to supplement that hormone um, in my pregnancies from that because I've had a couple losses. Mm -hmm. And um, but it has taught me a lot about just my own health. Mm -hmm. And I, it's not even just reproductive health. It's kind of everything. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would say, you know, if one of the things we'll get into with the clinic a little bit that's coming is that um, knowing about these things, they can help with depression, migraines, you know, irregular cycles. Maybe you don't know you have endometriosis or PCOS. Like there's a lot of um, indicators that these biomarkers, which do you want me to go into the biomarkers sure. a little yeah. bit? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is a, a beautiful thing that you talk, you're talking about, right? Like, cause it's such an, yeah. it's a natural holistic aspect. Yep. Uh, yeah, as you go into these the biomarkers, maybe is is are are these natural family planning methods are they similar to the ones that we heard about in the nineteen nineties or that, no. uh, that our parents kind of joke about nowadays? Like, yeah, um, what maybe so the, the old terminology is calendar or rhythm method or what did you call it? Roman roulette. roulette. Roman roulette. roulette. <laughs> um, no, they are not. So that was taking. That, that was expecting that every woman has a 28-day cycle and she automatically ovulates on day 14, which if you use that, more than likely you're not in that group. Mm -hmm. um, it may be day 12. It may be day 17, if you're even ovulating mm -hmm. or it's normal. Um, and more than likely it's not 28 days. Somewhere between 24 to 36 is normal. Um, so these biomarkers actually show you the window of fertility and then a um, trained teacher, um, we would recommend that you always have instruction through a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, it is just more helpful to have someone that can reaffirm what you're seeing and um, all of that. Um, but the biomarkers, they all indicate a different, essentially, hormone that's activating or decreasing in the body. Um, so they can be um, basal body temperature, not basal the plant. Basal meaning the body's. I like how she looked at me when she said, like, <laughs> she knew that's what I was gonna thinking. Tell a joke here. Um, so the your body's base temperature as after it's been asleep for a certain amount of hours. Um, so that's important for people. You know, I was working night shift and I couldn't use that one anymore because I think you probably could, but I just wasn't disciplined to do it. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but that'd be a question for an instructor. So there's one where you can, um, the body temperature will go up with ovulation. Uh. And so you can see that if you're doing it at the same time every day mm -hmm. in the morning, usually, or when you wake up, there is, um, we'll call it cervical mucus. Mm -hmm. I know, ugh, not the word anyone wants to hear, but the body creates this, um, essentially a pathway yep. for, you know, for sperm to come and meet the egg. And then you have a baby. And if it's not present, that can't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to have that healthy sign. And if that's not healthy, that's a concern. Mm -hmm. um, you have you can test with um, LH or luteinizing hormone OPK strips, mm -hmm. um, which is just a urine test. You can test with a clear blue monitor. Um, so these are all all the different ones are um, the clear blue monitors, Marquette. Um, couple to couple is um, symptothermal, so that's symptoms of cervical mucus and temperature. You've got FEM, which is the OPK strips and mucus. You have Creighton, which is just mucus and very in-depth. Um, 
Billings, which is mucus as well. Mm -hmm. And so they're all, and then there's Boston cross-check method, which is kind of everything. Um, so all of these, they, you should be able to find one that works for you mm -hmm. and work fits into your situation in life, whether that's trying to conceive or just maintaining or postpartum breastfeeding, all of those. Um, and now in Tulsa, we have all of those available mm -hmm. except for Boston cross-check, but that's kind of a specialty one, but, mm. and online for yeah. all these are offered online as well. It's, it's a wealth that it seems like it's in a locked up treasure chest, right? It's a treasure, but we don't know so much about it. You know, yep. we're still trying to get that word out. Uh, it's in my mind, it's very relatable to what uh, astrophysicists talk about in terms of the the way that the universe is created, and we see the intricate interworkings of things like the weak magnetic force or the expansion of the universe and the speed of that expansion and the dark matter and all these things, that the, the, the intricate inner workings of those things give evidence of a mind. Mm -hmm. And when we think about how a woman's body works in the intricate and complex interworking of the way it works, and then that that works together for and with her husband to create a being that will never not yep. be, it's evidence of a it's beautiful crazy. mind. But the other piece that's missing, <laughs> I think, on the opposite side of the coin in a sense, people often also don't understand how contraceptives work. Mm -hmm. Simply that, a contra you know, the doctor prescribed this contraceptive to me and now I don't get pregnant. But the actual biomechanical way that it works has some counter uh, signs to it. it. It is closing down or covering over yeah. these signs that could be used to find out why am I having problems. Yep. And I would say, I just read this morning that the FDA has approved over-the-counter birth control pills mm. now, oral contraceptives. Mm. So what this kind of shows me is we are just continuing by just willy-nilly prescribing for no good reason. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the sisters, one of the physician sisters will tell you she's never prescribed birth control because she has never needed to. Mm -hmm. She can treat everything else other ways that are well, true problems. Well, and I think for, for women to understand that if there's, for example, um, you mentioned acne or other kinds of reasons why contraceptives might be prescribed not just to avoid pregnancy. Sure. Those are all based in something that's not working correctly. Yep. And there are ways, that's what this whole technology is about, mm -hmm. there are ways to actually understand what is actually not working correctly yep. and to treat that so that I don't need to take this cocktail of hormonal yep. uh, medicine that does more than I need it to do, because I have one specific issue, I need to treat that. So I've always thought that if, if you can have a conversation with your doctor and ask them what specifically is wrong, mm -hmm. and if they can't tell you what specifically is wrong, dig, keep digging. Yeah, find a new doctor. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep digging because um, they may not know or they may not want to find out. Yeah. 
but it's not necessary to use. And then in terms of uh, trying to avoid a pregnancy, that's why we're here. That's what we're talking about, is that it's not necessary to avoid a pregnancy because God is already taking care of that in the design of the bodies that are involved in the marriage. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think um, the knowledge and the literacy that NFP provides for single people, married people, postmenopausal, like the whole spectrum. Um, we've even done a teen retreat with mothers and daughters, and it was just you know, it was just great information. Mm -hmm. Then they can go and they can talk and the mom can be the expert in her daughter's life mm -hmm. um, there. But we offered the information to them both and then they had time to talk. But it's such a um, contraception to me, I feel like is such a blanket disservice mm -hmm. to women because we're not even teaching them about how their body works. Like that's not even, that doesn't even have to be a moral thing, you know, uh, right. it's just like a knowledge thing. Right. And so it's kind of appalling that we're here in 2023. And most people don't even know that they have like four different distinct things that should be happening. And if ovulation's not occurring, or you're shutting that down or thinning the uterine lining, like all everything in the menstrual cycle is necessary mm -hmm. for health. And it, it's the only system that is functioning that when it's functioning well, we don't want it to function well. Mm -hmm. We want to treat it when it's, we actually need it. It helps with bone maintainment, thyroid, all other hormones. There's now a new study out showing that people that took, women that took birth control in their teens are now showing greater signs of depression in mm. adulthood. So it's just, it's a ripple Isn't effect. Cancer, all that cancer yeah, yeah. It's, it's a ripple effect to where it's as simple as just education to in the it's beautiful that that's what the church recommends yeah my understanding was that uh the the hormonal contraceptive works by causing the woman's body to think it's pregnant that can be part of it it also it's twofold where it will give higher levels of estrogen to prevent ovulation mm -hmm. um but they don't they used to give a higher dose now they give a lower dose so ovulation can still occur mm-hmm um, so conception could still occur, mm -hmm. but it also thins the uterine lining. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a healthy uterine lining, which is developed every month with mm -hmm. your hormones, you could be having um, conceiving a child and not even knowing and just passing it with your bleed, which with the typical um, hormone oral contraceptives, they... Um, you don't with when you bleed. You don't actually have a period. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a withdrawal be bleed because they wanted to make people feel better about what they were taking. Mm -hmm. So it was like, wow. oh, I should, but it's not actually a true mm -hmm. growth. Not everything's happening the way it should, and mm -hmm. so we're seeing effects of that. Um, the benefit, or not the benefit. What's interesting is that. In some ways, the secular world is starting to see this. Yeah. I see more things on social media or whatever, um, just even in, you know, other frames of mind that are like, oh, this is not mm -hmm. like we can do better than this. We can yeah. just have self-knowledge and um, treat a lot of these things instead mm -hmm. of covering them up. But I, I think there are some uh, conditions that would be um, abnormal conditions that if you're taking a contraceptive, they will go away 
Not because they've been cured, true, but because the body no longer is doing that yep. part of the cycle. But then you're going to take that for how long? And then later when you do want to have a child, you're going to quit taking it, but then that problem is still there. Maybe worse now. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a great question for one of the medical sisters. But from my knowledge as a nurse, it's like PCOS and endometriosis, which will cause problems with fertility mm-hmm. and can, um, and can go into other, can cause cancer down the road, that those we can give oral contraceptives to just kind of cover up the symptoms, but we're not actually treating mm-hmm. the underlying issue. Yeah. Now, Audrey, you've used a lot of different terms uh, here today, and there's probably some of these terms are new to some people. Um, and maybe they can go back and listen to it again to to, to catch all and write write down all of the terms. But uh, for like further resources and these kind of things that we can't get into yeah. today, but like where where should people go um, to yeah. learn more about this kind of thing? Yeah, well, I'd say for NFP in general, um, just on the whole concept of it, the USCCB has a good page on just the general information, mm-hmm. kind of what it is. The catechism has the teaching on it um, for that side of it, for the um, the nitty-gritty of this. I would say there's a couple websites, um, and you could type in fertility awareness, fertility awareness-based methods, natural family planning. Um, you could type in any of the methods that I mentioned earlier, um, there is a good website called naturalwomanhood.com, which, or maybe it's .org, that um, you can go in there and take a quiz on what method would be good for me. Like, um, if, you know, it takes into consideration those things. What kind of lifestyle do I live? Do I have a regular sleep cycle? Um, what am I more comfortable with? Um, you could do that. You are welcome to email me at the diocese. Mm-hmm. It's audrey.stubblefield at dioceseoftulsa.org. Can that go in the show notes? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, or call me. I want to be your your wealth of knowledge just to direct you to the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is fertilityawarenessbasedmethods.org. I'll get it for the show notes. But there's another great website that just does an overview on more the scientific side of, mm-hmm. of all of this. And, and, and then we'll also... Uh, the the other piece of our little episode here is to talk about our our clinic that's coming because that's of course also going to be our big resource. Yeah, this is really exciting. So about mm, I don't know a year and a half ago, I met with some of the religious sisters of mercy over at St. Francis, and one of the sisters, um, Sister Gianna Marie Savage, who is a family physician. Mm -hmm. She and Sister Mary Gretchen Hoffman, who's also a family physician, both took a class in um, FEM, which stands for Fertility Education and Medical Management. Mm. Um, So they, as a physician, they took the medical management side. There are other methods that have um, upstream of medical intervention, um, NAPRO being connected to Creighton, Mm -hmm. which they are more, um, they have really great protocols for surgeries. They've done innovative new surgeries that instead of, instead of having to seek things like IUI or IVF that are considered immoral um, because they replace, not supplement the marital act, Mm -hmm. um, they can help the body with endometri- they're like endometriosis specialists mm-hmm. and they have really great surgeries. We don't have that here, but we have great referrals 
um, that are pretty close. Um, so the sisters, sorry, they um, they were trained in the medical management for FEM and have been kind of doing it in their own practice and building it into St. Francis's health system. And um, Sister Gianna Marie asked if she could do a one-day, half-day clinic just mm. to kind of see. And everyone was on board with that. And it has grown. And so we will be opening um, – the official launch will be September 8th on um, Mother Mary's birthday. Uh-huh. And so Bishop will bless our little space. Um, we're hoping it will grow. If anyone is interested in that, you let me know. Email me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of – I joke that on my uh, headstone, I'm going to put, I know a guy. I could, that's, that's what I'm good for. I can connect you to the right person. Depending on the guy, that'd be Depending good. Depending on the guy, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so with this clinic, what they're looking into is a holistic um, approach to women's healthcare. We're going to teach various methods of NFP. We have um, six women going through to train to be teachers and some of them are also trained in Marquette or Billings Mm -hmm. or Creighton. And so we have anyone, any woman is welcome to come. Um, you know, even if you've, we can even see teens down to when they've started their menses. So, Mm -hmm. and then all the way through perimenopause, menopause, um, cause there are conditions that show up there too, that if you don't know that that's not normal, someone's going to say, okay, you know, and, um, but the sisters are look in sisters and then our, um, other clinician, um, Sarah, that will be starting, um, they are looking into those sure. things deeper. Um, sorry, I got lost on a tangent there, but, um, it is going to, if anyone is welcome to come, any woman that has had no fertility awareness education mm-hmm. or tons of fertility awareness education. We've They've had patients that have come that have gone to 10 different specialists and not found out what's going on with mm-hmm. why do I feel this way? Why do I have just terrible fatigue and brain fog and um, depression? Mm-hmm. And I'm 32, you know, and being like, oh, your hormones are really out of whack. Um, so they're looking beyond the normal lab values. They're using up-to-date research um, and just kind of a mashup of all of these things to assist women to becoming, um, really reaching their full potential. Some of that, it's it's achieving pregnancy, you know, helping them figure out why are you not ovulating? You know, there's something wrong mm-hmm. if you're not ovulating. So they're looking deeper into that. Um, what else on that one? I'm trying to think. Well, it's it's an outgrowth. I mean, it's a natural outgrowth of uh, science and scientific research. But some of the inspiration from this comes from Humanae Vitae. Absolutely. comes from Pope Paul VI encyclical, in which he reaffirmed the Church's belief that to use contraceptives in marriage would be contrary to the good of marriage and could even be sinful for the couple— and then encouraged doctors and medical uh, researchers and technicians to begin to really in earnest study and unlock these beautiful, mysterious um, processes that God has built into the body. They are very complex and not obvious 
you know, when you start talking about hormones and the effect they have on small physical structures, yep. and even now you're talking about, for example, mental and emotional state of someone. Um, so it has taken some very serious research and researchers to, to come to where we are now, but now we have a lot more to offer Absolutely. than we ever have had before. And so it's incumbent on us to try to help people know that so that they can hopefully come to our clinic and, and make themselves aware. Yeah. yeah. And I'd say I'm very grateful to St. Francis and their team, the Amen. sisters, for being open to being bold and trying something new. Mm -hmm. um, Bishop has had undying support for this, and that's been something that has been on your heart for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, when I came into this job about two years ago, that was one thing like where we, the people are out there, we just have to find them and connect them. Mm -hmm. And so that's been um, fun to do, mm -hmm. um, honestly, for me, and just introducing all these great people. It'll have a um, very mission-minded um, mindset, but just really good medicine yeah. and education. And um, we're excited because, you know, moms and women you don't have to be a mom to come see us, but like if you're the mom of a family, you kind of direct the cruise ship here yeah. on everybody else's health care in a way. And so there's great potential to expand. And so we're just, it's all been God's divine providence. Um, he has provided every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And we are just excited to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. Audrey, you've been such a you, you underplayed your 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 cards oh. a, a lot. You've been such a a blessing to the diocese and well, and, and such an asset to it to the chancery and to the diocese uh, with with the hospitals, but also with parishes, um, even uh, parents who are single parents. I mean, you 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 have a wide scope of, of range that you've been helping out the diocese and. Uh, I know that I'm very grateful for you. I know Bishop's very grateful for you. And there's a, there's a lot of people here that we're, we're grateful you're on our team. Well, and, and she does real estate on the side. Yeah. <laughs> That's a jack of all trades here. <laughs> um, no, I'm humbled to be here. This was, I was very honored and humbled that you asked for me to come on. And um, I just want to be a resource. When I prayed about taking this job, um, I really felt the Lord saying, I just want to pour mercy onto married families and couples. And knowing that that, like, it doesn't have to just be married couples and families, like also single people, people discerning, it's all um, connected. And those are our future families, or they're a daughter, a son, or a friend. And um, yeah. yeah, I just feel everything has woven itself together to get me to here. And I feel like I have a, a job to do, and who knows what's next. Yeah, so. awesome. Well, Audrey, we'll have to have you on again uh, sometime in the near future. Yeah, especially once we're open. and Yeah, running. once we can announce more, it'll be great. Uh, one more time, your, your uh, email address? Yep, A-U-D-R-E-Y dot S-T-U-B-B-L-E-F-I-E-L-D at dioceseoftulsa.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. You've been listening to Tulsa's Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. We'll see you next week.